Have you finished your personal statement yet? Now's the perfect time to get it professionally reviewed by a medical school HQ expert advisor. We have former directors of admissions, admissions officers, and the like on our small team of amazing people. They have the inside knowledge from reading thousands and thousands and thousands, tens, if not 100,000 personal statements going through the process and setting up the process for their whole committee. They know exactly what medical schools look for and the common red flags that can get your entire application thrown out. Take advantage of our flash sale right now, going through May 6th, up to 6,000 characters reviewed for just $150. That's a $75 discount on our regular price. Go to editmyps.com. Again, that's editmyps.com. The Primid Year, session number 510. Hello, and welcome to The Pre-Med Years, where we believe that collaboration, not competition, is key to your success. I'm your host, Dr. Ryan Gray, and in this podcast, we share with you stories, encouragement, and information that you need to know to help guide you on your path to becoming a physician. Welcome to The Pre-Med Years. Thank you so much for joining me today. I have an amazing, different guest for you today, talking about Podiatry. Yes, you heard that right. Podiatry. Now, a lot of people ask my thoughts about podiatry, and I will give those to you in one second. Before we jump in, though, I want to talk about the MCAT Minutes brought to you by Blueprint MCAT. As this episode is coming out, we're at the end of December 2022. That means you better start working on your MCAT prep for 2023. If you're applying in 2023, to start medical school in 2024. Ideally, you're thinking about taking the MCAT about 18 months prior to when you wanna start medical school, 18 months before you wanna start medical school, and then prep for that is going to be about, what, 22, 24 months before when you wanna start medical school? Go to blueprintmcat.com, sign up for a free account, use their amazing study planner tool, which is free, with their free account to understand what it's going to take for you to fit your MCAT prep into your life and into when you want to apply to medical school. Again, that's blueprintmcat.com. All right, so you may be thinking to yourself, Dr. Gray, this is the pre-med years. Why are you talking to a podiatrist? Well, I will tell you why I'm talking to a podiatrist. And it goes back to the comments that a lot of people ask my thoughts about podiatry. And I have a thought about podiatry. It is as close to being a PT, or PT, as close to being a MD or DO as you can get without actually having those letters after your name. Having DPM, a doctor of podiatric medicine, after your name is as close to being an MD as it, or, or DO as you can get. Now, a lot of people go into podiatry because they think they can't get into medical school. And I don't have any data around that, just anecdotally speaking. Uh, I know, and and the podiatry world will come after me for this a little bit, I think. I, I know I, having talked to the, the podiatric medicine societies and, and the, the organizations around podiatric medicine, they want people to go into podiatric medicine because people, they, they want to go into podiatric medicine, not as a backup plan. And I agree, right? I agree with that. 
We should be chasing our dreams, not going to fallback paths. And I think there are a lot of people who go into podiatric medicine because they don't think they can get into medical school. And that's okay too. So we're gonna talk to Dr. Elizabeth Landano today about podiatric medicine, her journey to podiatric medicine, being an international student, and what her life was like and how she first became randomly, super randomly interested in podiatric medicine. It is a great conversation with Dr. Londonio about her journey and what podiatric medicine is all about. Dr. Elizabeth Londonio, how are you doing, my friend? I am doing well. How are you? I am good. Welcome to the pre-med years as the first podiatrist on the podcast. Well, thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm excited. Uh, as I was mentioning to you before we hit record, podiatry is often uh, brought up in conversation with students of like, what do you think about podiatry? And my answer is always like, it's basically as close as you can get to MD and DO without being an MD or DO. So Correct. I would love to hear your journey to podiatry. Mm -hmm. It's, it's typically not something somebody grows up and goes, I want to be a podiatrist. It's typically something right. that you you realize later on in life. It's like, oh, there's this right. whole other field out here. When did you first realize that, that healthcare was something that you were interested in? Well, I was really young. My father was a doctor. <laughs> so being the youngest girl, I think it was like the most natural thing for me to fall into was medicine. Um, so I would say like, definitely by age seven um I knew so not earlier seven, not earlier so you were late you were a late bloomer <laughs> I think I think <laughs> I think like as soon as I could speak yeah and walk that took me to his office yeah that's why I said like my memories of it I had to be around first second grade that's why I'm going by that seven year old age where you know at school everybody's like so what do you want to be when you grow up and I'm like well I want to be a doctor you know? <laughs> I want to be just like daddy uh, exactly yeah what else what else does a daddy's girl do yep so, yeah, yeah. I, I have a four-year-old now, and he 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 says now I want I want to be a doctor. Um, sure. And it's so funny. Like I have an eight-year-old daughter, and she never says that. She's like, no, I don't want to be a doctor. I want to be an oh. artist. I'm like, yeah. okay. There's, there's always one that like the genetic <laughs> pressure is present. Definitely, yep. you know. Yeah, yeah. definitely. No, I was I was that person. Yeah. So you are uh, uh, an immigrant to this country. You, you came over here to, to finish your education and, and go to college here. What was that, that journey like for you coming over, learning a new culture, learning a new society, language, all of that fun stuff, and the right. pressure of like, my family sent me over here to, to get yeah. my education, I better perform. Oof. Wow, that's like a loaded question there. <laughs> that's why I asked it. Um. <laughs> But so let's start where we start first. Um, the learning, the, mm. the be it the language, be it the culture or the food, yeah, um, was probably one of the biggest hurdles. Um, I knew English from what you take at school, basically. Mm. Um, so to translate just that—that's like a class you go to. To now, your entire life is in English, uh, was a big deal. 
but I did it at the right age, I think. I was only 13 at that time. So it was perfect um, for me to just quickly transition through. The, the harder part, believe it or not, was weather. Uh, <laughs> then I was in Ohio, in Columbus, Ohio. Um, but I grew up in West Africa, Dakar, Senegal. That's basically like a desert, yeah. right? So it's like you pick me up from a desert and then you put me in Columbus, Ohio. <laughs> and I was like, okay, so this climatically, this is not going to work out. So physically, that was quite challenging my first yeah. few um, winters. Um, culturally, I, I still believe I'm not fully <laughs> adjusted. But um, I've learned at least to manage. Um, it was it was a challenge. Everything was was difficult. But again, the fact that I was only thirteen, I think, made it so that I could mold easy. You know, versus coming much later in life when I was set in personalities, set in certain ways. Um, that age was definitely. <clears throat> The right time <laughs> so in retrospect my parents did well sending me so young yeah um yeah the the path was was um a nice one i would say like if i people ask me sometimes would you do it again absolutely yeah. uh, no hesitation in just even saying yes i would i would definitely go back and do it the same way it's been beautiful um for what about the what about leaving your parents at such a young age so <laughs> I finally just settled with that. That's why I say some aspects of these, I think I still toy with, but I finally am settling with the resentment because to be honest, that's what it was. Um, yeah. um, I just kind of resented them for like kind of shooing me away, like go away kind of thing. That's yeah. how it felt to me at least. Of course, yeah. Um, but now that I have a daughter in college, <laughs> and she's in college like at a whole different state and the things that I do before she calls or before I call her where I have to make this face of a strong well-balanced parent who's not missing her at all so I don't emotionally disturb her to where she feels guilty for being away or to feel like I should come run back home because my mom is not coping do you see what I'm saying yeah of course Experiencing this as a parent has actually helped me figure out, well, maybe that's what my parents did. Yeah. They were like playing face when it was time to talk to me, didn't cry in front of me or whatever. But really, when they weren't talking to me, they were devastated that I was far. But yeah. it's things you do because you want what's best for your kids type of thing. Yeah. Um, but at that time, at 13, and then so far where like you can even hop on a car and go visit for a hug or whatever. I cried. I had a lot of like, it's time to get off the phone and I'm crying like, no, yeah. mom, I, I, you know, or dad or whatever. And this My is friends. pre pre FaceTime, pre Skype, yeah. uh, like what we have nowadays, the, the communication yes. wasn't there. So what yeah. like you're you show this interest in being a doctor, just like dad. Yeah. I'm right. assuming dad didn't go to medical school in the States. And, and so he did in Europe though. He in, studied in Paris. Oh, <laughs> Paris. And you're sending me to Columbus, Ohio. Come on. <laughs> Thanks a lot. So, and now I understand why you feel like they don't love you. Like Columbus, Ohio versus Paris. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> so, 
Um, why, as a 13-year-old, I could right. see that turning out not well, where a 13-year-old right. goes, screw you, I'm going to rebel, I'm going right. to go turn to all of the bad stuff in this world. Correct. Why did you not do I that? Didn't, I was not. I was not that child who was going to rebel. I was a daddy's girl, 100%, meaning every decision that I made, probably from I don't know how long, I always factored, how will daddy feel about this? Yeah. That's how big of a daddy's girl I was. It, until, I mean, he's no longer here, but from where he is, I wonder many times, how proud of me is he? Or um, what is he feeling? What is he thinking? You know? So that was my guide throughout when temptation was there because um, it was there to be in America by myself. Yeah. But, and then I also think that the kind of personality I had, uh, my parents were able to mold me um, maturity wise to where I was much, much more mature acting than a 13 year, than a regular 13 year old. So there was that, that big yeah. um, aspect as well. Um, do, do you so. think maturity wise, all girls in Senegal at 13 were more mature than 13-year-olds here in the U.S.? Do you think that's a cultural thing? Uh, uh, yes. Or, or do you think that's just for you specifically? Yes. yes. Well, because I had a I had a baby brother, mm-hmm. and I can tell you for a fact that I did everything for him the moment he was born. Okay. So, so there's a lot of that in Africa. By 13, it was like certain things I already knew how to do and do very well. It, okay. it was just... You're forced to so grow yeah, up a little abs- bit faster. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. A cultural thing. I agree, yes. Yeah, interesting. Okay. Mm-hmm. So hopefully that that's setting you up for success. You come over here, right. obviously learning a new right. education system, all that fun stuff. Correct. You get to university. Mm-hmm. Uh, what was that process like? Knowing, hey, I, I want to be a doctor. Mm-hmm. Going down that path as a as an international student again, still kind of still getting right. your feet wet here. So, so university for me um, was not traditional because I went on a full basketball scholarship ride. I had a, a full ride basketball, so I played only one year of high school in the U.S. Uh, and got a full ride basketball to go to college. Wow. How tall, how um, tall are you? That's the next question. I'm 5'10". Okay. Um, so college was, well, how can I say, the fine tuning, right? Where mm. I had my coach that basically had curfews, which yeah. in many ways helped with yeah. keeping me in line for finishing school and doing what I'm supposed to. Um, basketball meant... I had to keep a certain GPA, especially because I was on a full ride. Yep. So I think the fact that basketball was there where certain things were demanded uh, or requirement for me to continue to play actually added to, to my performance or to my success. Yeah. So yeah, that, that was, that was a big help. <laughs> so you're an athlete, mm-hmm. you're a pre-med student. Yes. Was there any point in your journey where you're like, I I either have to give up being a pre-med student, at least for now, mm-hmm. so that I can focus on being athlete? Was there any pressure from coach, uh, et cetera? Or was there any pressure of like, 
I need to give up being an athlete so I can go focus on school. Uh, you, you're so good at this. So. <laughs> <laughs> I've done it once or twice. The, 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 pressure, the pressure was there from yeah. high school, from the moment I got here. So I was in Columbus, Ohio, and I got to Ohio State with a full ride, but didn't go to Ohio State and ended up settling with the D2 because I guess the decision was already made that medicine will have to be a priority over basketball, regardless of how skilled I was. Uh, my, My parents were set on that and they were not going to compromise. Had you asked me personally, I definitely wanted to go the basketball route. Basketball was my life. Yeah. Um, so yes, that battle was there always that, my goodness. Um, and sometimes I wonder still what would have happened had I stuck on the basketball uh, career or route over medicine, but it never was an option. The, the reason I arrived to America was sent to America was to become a doctor, not to be a basketball player. Yeah. So, um, and that's, that's always what it was. Um, it was good that basketball was there because like I said, it kept me out of trouble. I think it kept me physically fit, mentally fit so that I could overcome so many things in medicine. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. So you're begrudgingly focusing on, on being a pre-med and and (laughs) being a, a basketball player as well. Um, at some point, obviously, you made the decision to apply to podiatric medical schools. Correct. Talk, talk about that enlightenment of like, oh, there's this whole other field right. out here. And I, yeah. I'm interested in that versus MDDO route. Correct. So I, when I finished undergrad, because I was still young, mm-hmm. um, and I was waiting for papers, so bringing back this international or immigrant status thing, I was in like a a transition stage of um, my citizenship paperwork and so on. And instead of just sitting the whole year out without studying, I actually applied for a master's program and it was a biomedical science master's program, but I applied for the fast track of it because they had a 12 months track or like a two year track or whatever. So I applied for the 12 months to wait out the immigration paperwork The anatomy classes that I was taking, I took with PA students, podiatry students. Um, I think it was like a cardiovascular perfusion program, like a whole bunch of medical other. Yeah. Allied health fields. Exactly. Exactly. That's the perfect term for it. Yeah. So I asked them, I'm like, what is this podiatry thing? I've never even heard of that. Like, what is this? They were like, so they told me a bit about it. Mm -hmm. I was like, all right. So upon finishing the program, because by now I married, um, I had a baby while I was doing my master's program. So one day in my neighborhood, I'm jogging and there's a podiatrist. And I'm like, oh, this is perfect. Let me pop in that office and check it out. (laughs) So I went in, they were like, well, this guy is busy seeing patients right now. But if you have time to sit and wait, he may have time to talk to you. I said, perfect. I'll wait. The baby was asleep. <laughs> I'll wait. So I sat in the waiting room and he came and put me in the back and we talked and he kept me there all day long. Baby woke up. I'm the <laughs> nicest guy ever. Do you remember so his name? When I, oh, yes. Dr. David Clendenning. He's wow. unfortunately passed mm-hmm. since then. But he became a surrogate dad, surrogate dad, to be honest. Wow. Um, 
I was invited to come to the office as much as I wanted. I mean, he taught me as much as I wanted. He helped with writing my letters of recommendations, figuring out what all I needed to get into podiatry school. So from then on, it was just like, I'd never even considered anything else, to be honest. Yeah, it's um, it's amazing so. how many physicians I talk to who mm-hmm. choose their careers based on mentors. And, and yeah. when you say surrogate dad, like to me, that's your, he was your mentor. Um, yes. Obviously, you were exposed to the field through your master's program and then just Correct. randomly on a jog, like, hey, exactly. let, me, let me go into exactly. this office. Right. Um, you, you probably passed that podiatry office a hundred times before and it never exactly. clicked. And then right. your brain was primed because you were with podiatry students. You're like, it's, oh, wait, yeah. hey, yeah. I, I know those yeah, initials. Like, oh, this this term comes up again. Let me look into this. Let me yes, look into yes. it. The universe just works things out just like that. It's crazy. <laughs> to talk about, I, I would love to know. Um, mm-hmm. My assumption is that podiatry is not a big field, if at all, in Senegal. There is not one podiatry. <laughs> you, you call back home to dad going, <laughs> hey, dad, I want to be a podiatrist. Right. How'd that conversation go? Uh, it took it well. Yeah? Yeah, because for some reason he knew about it. Okay. Um, so he was like, oh, great. You'll get to do a lot of surgery. And I was yeah. like, okay. So so he knew. Know, okay. Um, yeah, he knew. <laughs> that makes and, it easy. And my dad, so to be fair, he kind of always was like, you don't have to be a doctor to please me at all. And I really don't care what field you go into as yeah. long as it's what you like to do. So yeah. wonderful. Good no dad. On that one. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay. <laughs> so he was happy that you found something that you enjoyed. Exactly. Awesome. So yeah. you, you go down this path, you see podiatry. Did you, at that point, it, it, you said like, I, I never looked back. I didn't look at anything else. So you never even were like, well, what about MDDO? You just don't need it. So, don't want it. At one point in rotations, I think I, I don't recall how how many years had passed. I said, hmm, I should have looked into anesthesia. Mm. Um, but that was the only time. <laughs> You're um, like, they have it so easy. They sit over there and they don't do right, anything all day. I, I wanted to be in the surgery with just my journal open <laughs> or a, a newspaper. A magazine. Um, and be like, okay, surgery's done. Wake the patient up. Let's go home. I want to do that. Even better. If, if I was already a wife and a mom. Yeah. And I noticed that their hours were amazing. They worked like three, three days a week, but went home with like half a meal. I was like, that's what I want to do can we can i can i rewind sign me up until i I figured out that they actually needed like three years of icu yeah but my icu rotation was not very good i did not handle so many people like passing Mm. like and and you just have to go on with your life like nothing happened uh so yeah then i was like nah i don't know about that icu part yeah but that was the only time i i said i would consider another another route in medicine would have been anesthesia so when someone comes to you mm-hmm. and they say dr londonio mm-hmm. what is a podiatrist correct how do you answer that foot and ankle specialist is usually what i say anything knee and below um i'm able to take care of from the skin all the way to the bone mm-hmm. 
Um, so you are the vascular doctor of the lower extremity. You are the ortho of the lower extremity. You are the dermatologist of the lower extremity. You are the neurologist of the lower extremity. Yeah. So in this, and I think that's what's given me such pleasure, pleasure being a podiatrist. Mm -hmm. Because there is just that. Some days I'm only removing melanoma only, I say, because it's a skin only cut. Another day I'm putting a whole external fixated device on someone's broken uh, tibia and fib. On another one, I can go do a whole ankle, uh, total ankle repair, or I could do as simple as bunions, hematose, or -hmm. just a nail procedure. The range is so broad. Um, As we talked about before, get going on live at one point when my girls were smaller I did nursing home only mm-hmm. I walked in I saw my 20 something patients this was just in time for the picking up my kids out of school and then I was home nursing homes are open Saturday and Sunday so some weeks if the girls had something going on I didn't go at all during the week I went Saturday and Sunday I love the flexibility in hours and the flexibility of choosing how busy you want to be or Mm -hmm. how not so busy you want to be. But that's basically what a podiatrist is. Um, But my training, the first two years, the classes are taken, as you know, with MD, DOs or whomever. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it's it's so so for someone listening to this, just I'll, I'll speak to you for a second. Podiatry uh-huh. school is basically medical school. Now, Correct. this is my personal opinion, and mm-hmm. I, I may get a lot of flack for this. When right. podiatry students say they're in medical school, I don't think that's right. They're in podiatric medical school, and okay. and sometimes they they don't say podiatric. So it's different mm. school, but it's the same school. It's it's weird. Right. It's a weird dichotomy. You um, know, it's, yeah, it's, it's a, uh, how can I say? It's sometimes a slippery slope based yeah. on who you're talking to, but Correct. I'm not going to be that person because yeah. I'm not a title person per se, although I do value the work we each individually put for our title. Yeah. And for that reason, I want us all to respect each other's titles. Otherwise, yeah. I mean, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um. Podiatry school at one point, and even the 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 initials that come after the names, uh, at one point, politically we we thought of making it medical doctor podiatry, mm-hmm. just so that the medical term comes first, and it kind of eases some people's uh, stick on on the physician, whatever, whatever. Yeah. Listen, we have the same thing with MDDO. Yes, you know everyone's fighting. Everyone's it's, fighting. Yeah. You got PAs fighting for their names, and Listen. NPs are coming next. I'm sure. Uh, the, so the, the way the the way it's set up is to almost make us all feel like there's only one piece of pie, and every single one of us, if you take a piece, then there's not enough left for everybody else, oh, right? Yeah, that's that's called <laughs> so, scarcity mindset. I am an right, abundance so, mindset person. Exactly. Yeah. I just finished saying, like, literally, yeah. a podiatrist can be my neighbor. Yeah. We practice totally different things. Correct. So, you know, yeah, yeah. it is that. <laughs> Yeah. So I, let's let's go into that real quick. Uh, yeah. well, let me finish the the thought. So so podiatric okay. medical school is mm-hmm. uh, for someone who doesn't know is right. it's four years. Uh, four years. Most podiatric, if not all podiatric medical schools, require basically all of the same prereqs as as Correct. traditional MDDO. 
They Correct. most require the MCAT, uh, which a lot of people are like, what do you mean the MCAT? Yeah, for, for, yeah. for podiatry yeah. as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so it's, it's four years, typically the right. same kind of preclinical years and then clinical yeah. years. And then talk to me about residency. I'm a little gray mm-hmm. in that area because right. you don't have to do a surgical residency, do you? Yes, you do. You do Every have to. Podi- okay. The current, well, so we went through a few years of growth. Okay. It used to be that you didn't have to, but even as of my generation, we still were required to do at least one year of surgical residency. Okay. You can opt to not do surgery at all when you get out, yep. but for you to, to have the title, you were required. We are where in 2022, every single podiatrist who's going to graduate is required at least a three-year surgical residency. Okay. Yeah. All right. So it's interesting when I said, like, how do you explain what is podiatry? You said a foot and ankle specialist. Why not foot and ankle surgeon? Hmm. Because not all of us choose to do surgery. Okay. Um, But I, again, there are some that would do wound care only, like what I did mostly when I was at a nursing home. Uh, and I could do palliative care with that as well, meaning taking care of people's corns, calluses, long nails, and things like that. So, or just dispensing diabetic shoes and dispensing orthotics and things of that nature and never even do surgery at all. Yeah. Okay. That makes, makes complete sense. Yeah. You, and that's a, that's another kind of complicated topic because our scope of practice varies from state to state. Yeah. So that's why I stuck with the foot and ankle. I happen to be in Florida and persist on staying in Florida because we have the highest scope of practice. That highest, allows literally the highest going. Exactly. <laughs> literally the highest on the body. So as far as bone is concerned, I can go to the tibial tuberosity. Okay. As far as soft tissue is concerned, I can go to the iliac crest. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And that, and that's something I think a lot of students don't understand is, again, depending on the state, which right. is a little bit weird. Like, why is the state determining this? Right. But states' rights in this country. Exactly. Um, the... the podiatrist has mm-hmm. a scope of practice. And so in Florida, right. you're saying tibial tuberosity for bony work. In, in some states, it's like mid-chin or below or whatever, ankle. right? Ankle just only. Just the ankle yeah. And, and less, yeah, forefoot and stuff like that, yep. Yeah, yeah. so just it just depends. And mm-hmm. do, you, do you think a lot of podiatrists choose their state to practice in based on that, or do they just accept whatever uh, the state that they want to mm-hmm. be in? No, that's a that's a good question because I tend to think they they go they stay to the state where they went to school because yeah. we only have podiatry schools in so many states. Yeah. Right. So you get there, you went to school there, you have the contacts there, kind of like how I did, a mentor there or someone who likes you and say, Oh, when you get out, I'll take you on. Yeah. And then you just stay mostly because of that. Yeah. And there there are only nine at least on my quick Google search here, right. nine podiatric medical schools in the country. Correct. Right. So very different Florida, than the 200 Florida's plus. A, mm-hmm. Florida's a, a big one. So a lot of people do end up staying. They move here from, we have even from Canada because mm. I'm, I'm affiliated with the school. I work at the school as a professor Okay. and we get, we get students from Canada and some of them just stay, some of them, you know, like, but yeah. Yeah. Podiatry is, oftentimes very big 
in the mm-hmm. basketball world. Uh, there are lots right. of ankle injuries in basketball. Correct. Shocker. Uh, right. have, have you looked, <laughs> at, as a former athlete, have you looked into being a, like a Absolutely. sports medicine so podiatrist? My, my residency, me choosing the residency program I went to was because of that. Yeah. Um, in the year that I went, which was 2006, when I was in residency here in Miami, Uh, My residency program was the only one that had a fellowship in sports medicine in pediatrics. And my father was a pediatrician. Mm. So I chose uh, this residency program for that reason. And it's not just uh, the fact that it was a fellowship in sports medicine, but the director of the the fellowship was the team podiatrist for the Miami Heat. Right. So I was like, all right, this this is for (laughs) me. This is so... Um, at our office came the entire Miami Heat team. Yeah. Like constantly. We were like at first term, like first name terms and basis with most of the basketball players. So yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah, that's that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. So again, a, a very interesting caveat in the podiatric medicine world is there's a right. huge need for for athletes right. in the in that yes. world. Talk about um I, I often talk about turf wars between like interventional radiology and cardiologists. Right. Correct. The orthopedic world, uh, the MDDOs, right. orthopedic right. surgery, has foot and ankle specialists. Correct. Do you think there's a lot of fighting or do you think we yes. all get along? <laughs> yes, there is. There is. There yeah. is. I mean, again, we come back to the same thing about this. And and it's it's institutions that do this. They, yeah. they Or, I don't know, life that makes us feel like it's only one little portion in all of us have to share it or whatever you could be the same specialty and not do or practice medicine the same thing at all so yes I've had to to how can I say this nicely I've had encounters with foot and ankle specialist authors yeah. that felt like maybe I wasn't the most qualified person to put that external fixator there but it was an easy fix all I had to do was show my resume and my log from surgical residency Mm -hmm. that I had met the number of um, the number of external fixator required I had a special training in external fixator I traveled to medical missions several times to train for putting on external fix so it just becomes like a matter of them taking the time to to know who you are and what your qualifications are and then they usually relax about it so um, so he, let, let me ask you a question part, mm-hmm. part of this discussion uh when when i was looking through this was hey women in medicine moms in medicine right. how much of that is you're a podiatrist i'm an ortho i i know more than you versus i'm a guy you're a woman oh gosh um, <laughs> i think i think most of it is exactly that i'm yeah. a guy and you're a woman yeah uh, i deal with this with other podiatrist where I'm not as credible uh, or I finish doing something and it's almost like they're coming and checking behind me if I did it right kind of thing. Um, How do you handle that? For sure. How do you you handle that and how do you recommend those following in your footsteps? I'm I'm not bothered by it because the one thing that I said to myself very early on going into this career was that um can I say this? Like, I will not have control over how people behave, Yeah. but I always have 100% control over how I will behave. So that's what I do. Um, I can't go around and expecting 
I mean, I have the expectations, but I still can't control people. They're going to feel the way they, they do. They're going yeah. to bring um, their past, their experience, their insecurities or whatever. Time always shows and my skills will show what's right, what's not right. So I really don't even bother with it at all. Um, it. And yeah. I, I love it. Yeah. How have you balanced being a mom, going through <laughs> podiatry, <laughs> podiatric medical school, Man. residency? How, how do you balance all of that? Uh, let me tell you, like, in retrospect, I'm like, I had to just have me mentally, like, at a whole different space, man. Mm. That's the only thing I can say. But I was, again, I was young. So energy-wise, I was, like, at a whole different level. I was driven. I was focused. And nothing was going to be in my way. Um, the other good thing is that my first child, who was the one that I had before podiatry school, uh, was the perfect child to have. She was the most well-behaved kid <laughs> who I could leave with anyone. She wouldn't cry. I actually brought her to the hall to study her, to the lecture hall sometimes with me. And she would just sit and doodle away or take a nap. Or <laughs> She's drawing metatarsals. You're like, whoa. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> now, had this been my last child that I had before, I Not don't possible. think we would be here having this conversation. <laughs> um, but again, if you see the path, right, from how I was sent here so young to being a scholar athlete, I think it gave me a different type of discipline. Mm -hmm a different type of focus, a different type of time management. So I tell everybody, nothing in life really is a coincidence. Yeah. So all those things were just molding me to basically being able to sit and, and, and handle being in, in podiatric medical school, be a wife and a mom at the same time. Because yeah. it was like, okay, I can multitask. Let's do this. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Incredible. For students listening to this right now who mm -hmm. maybe this is the first time they're listening to a podiatrist talk or knowing right. that podiatry is out there yeah. and they've always considered mddo get, give us your best argument for why they should look into podiatry i you are the mddo of the foot and ankle or the knee and below based on wherever you are um, I just said it or from ortho because you could do bone, you could do vascular, you could do skin, you could do whatever. So that specialty that you love, you could still do it. Only it's limited to a certain aspect of the body when in general, really, that's how it is. Yeah. Even when I look at most ortho, they specialize, some end up doing only shoulders, some only knees, some only hands, yeah. some only neck, some yeah. only, you know what I'm saying? I, I joke that we we are getting so subspecialized that you're going right. to have orthopedic surgeons that only do left left pinkies. There like, you go. I don't do right pinkies, only left right. pinkies. Exactly. So, <laughs> so you know, um, I tell people, keep an open mind. Mm -hmm. Go check out a podiatrist and at least see, but don't go check out a podiatrist who's your grandfather's age because their training and what they're going to do is different. Yeah. Check out a podiatrist who's re relatively young, recently out of school because every profession grows with yeah. time, right? And see where we are professionally now. Look into it. At least it's an option, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I love it. Um, 
going back to outside of uh, podiatry, just being mm -hmm. a woman in medicine, a mom in mm -hmm. medicine, an international right. student, immigrant in medicine. Uh, mm -hmm. I, I have lots of international students, lots of, of non-traditional students, parents who listen to this podcast. What's, what's one right. piece of advice for all of those other people out there listening to this on their journey? Authentic to who you are. Mm. Authentic to who you are. My patients, I've relocated to the Miami area because I wanted to be in a rural area serving underrepresented, kind of like people who look like me, sound like me. Mm -hmm. um, they come because of that, because I am the doctor that looks like them, yeah. because I'm the one who, if it's a Haitian, I can speak French to them. If it's a Latino, I can speak Spanish to them. It's very much so needed in medicine. The majority of doctors don't look like me, don't sound like me. So very easily, I could have watered myself down throughout the years of living here in America and completely forget about my culture or even try to lose my accent completely or whatever. I've remained authentic to who I am, who my parents sent here. And I, I didn't want to compromise that at all, regardless of um, being in Palm Harbor <laughs> or wherever else, you know, here in Miami. I'm in the heart of Miami. Like, I'm, I'm not sure if you know Miami well, but I'm like on 441 in the middle of, of Miami. Um, 90 plus percent of my patients are either, like I said, Haitian Islanders. Um, and in that Islander, you can put Cuba, all the other, all the other Latin, Latinx, you know? Yeah, so just remain who you are. <laughs> All right, there you have it again, Dr. Elizabeth Londoño, a podiatric medicine specialist. Podiatric medicine, there you go. That is podiatry. You are basically as close to an MD or DO as you can get without having an MD or DO. Medical school, podiatric medical school is four years. You, you a lot of times still do a residency. I think most people are doing residencies now. And uh, yeah, you, you, you go and you're a surgeon for feet, ankles, below the knee in some states. Just depends on the state as we talked about today. So check it out if you're interested and let me know if this was helpful. Maybe we want to cover some other potential alternatives to medical school, the, the MDDO route on uh, the pre-med years. Let me know. Hope you have a great week. Don't forget to check out blueprintmcat.com. Go sign up for that free account. Use that free study planner tool. We'll see you next time. This is MedEd Media.